I just want to say to you that if you're having trouble with this, don't stress. There's no way to fail this test. First, there's nothing wrong with mindless distraction. There's times when zoning out on your phone is exactly what you want to do. And that's not a problem. What's problematic is that becoming our default. Just mindless distraction is all the time what you're falling into. By all means, do it. But if it starts to become a problem, as it has become for me, then that's when it needs to be examined, which is what we're doing. So the point is not to punish ourselves by not using the phone at all. And then we think that we're not doing it right because uh, we end up in the scroll. The point is to increase our consciousness around the use of the phone and then use it for good that it can offer while cutting back on the things that are contributing to what we don't want in our lives. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. This month, we are on a mission to break up with our phones by doing a digital detox. We want to be more aware of our connections to technology. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. That's me, Jenny Kaus, and I'm slightly more aware of my smartphone addiction now, and I'm a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I will do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I'll be playing along too, and as we take on a new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. Our monthly challenge for December is focused on examining our relationships with technology and in particular, our modern day love affair with our phones. Now that the holiday season is in full swing, we feel that it is a great time to focus on time with those we love and technology can certainly get in the way of connecting with others. We are aware that most of us are a bit addicted to our phones and we want to look at our own cell phone use and make intentional choices about how we use this technology. The challenge we have given to ourselves and to you is to take charge of our relationship with technology, more specifically, our mobile phones. To help us focus on this, we are reading the book, How to Break Up with Your Phone by Katherine Price. This amazing book is divided into three parts, the wake up, the breakup, and the makeup. In the wake up part of the book, she offers enough information about what your phone is doing to your brain, your focus, your attention span, your sleep and your relationships that you will be terrified enough to want to make a change. This fear is real for me since I read this book and yet I'm still struggling with this challenge and the changes that it's requiring me to make. So let's talk about dopamine for a second. So in order to maximize the amount of time we spend on our devices, the designers of these devices have manipulated our brain chemistry in ways that are known to trigger addictive behaviors. Most of these techniques involve a brain chemical called dopamine. So dopamine activates pleasure-related receptors in our brain, and it teaches us to associate certain behaviors with rewards. It makes us feel excited, which we like. And then, so any experience that triggers the release of dopamine is something that we want to experience again and again and again. So once our brains have learned to associate checking our phones with getting our reward, which is a new, no- a new notification or a text message or a like or some other notification from your phone, a ding, a bell, a zippity zippity doodah, we are going <laughs> to really, really, really want to check our phones. So we are willing guinea pigs in an experiment to try and keep our attention and activate our dopamine response as much as possible. And we are all addicted. So it's not a problem with willpower. This technology is essentially hijacking your brain's reward system. It's irresistible. 
So step one is knowing about this. And step two, let's do something about it. In the breakup part of the book, the author, Catherine Price, lays out a plan and the following items were included for week one. Number one, download a tracking app. Number two, assess your current relationship with your phone. Number three, start paying attention to how and when you use your phone and how you feel when you do so. Number four, take stock and take action. Look at the results from four days of tracking. Assessing the first three days, create a speed bump. Number five, delete social media apps. Six, come back to real life. How do you want to spend your reclaim time? Number seven, get physical. Go for a walk without your phone. So given all of those seven days and those challenges, how did that go for you, Peg? Um, well, I just will say for those who are listening, if you're confused about what these seven things are, if you listen to episode 24, which was our last episode, we go into detail about the first week of the breakup challenge that um, Catherine Price, the author of this book, goes through. So uh, you can always go to drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast if you want more details on that or listen to last week's episode. So as for me for this past week, I would say it started off well. I was three nights without my phone in my room. I charged it in the kitchen. I felt like a rock star. And then the wheels fell off the bus. Oh, so no. I guess I got a bit distracted or I had some other stuff going on. And it's like my soother. It's re- it's There's yep. something about the phone that is, that's what I use it for. It's this comfort. So mm-hmm. I took it back to bed with me and I was doing the mindless scroll before bed for the last three nights. So... Christmas is coming up and on my list, I put this special wake up alarm clock for Christmas and that's going to help because part of the excuse that I use, even though that's not really why I have the phone with me, but the excuse I use is I need it for my alarm. Me too. So this is going to come up during this week's challenge, the using it as an excuse, as an alarm. Yeah. So that was not ideal, but uh, <sighs> we're getting there. It's uh, one step at a time. But it's awareness. I think so. Yeah. And well... Believe me, I was aware when I was doing it, but I, there was part of my brain that's like, I don't care. I'm just doing it. <laughs> uh, and the piece about deleting the social media apps, because my comfort, my soother is doing the scrolls through the social media apps, I was really hesitant to delete them. Yeah. So I finally did it tonight. I just, before we started recording, I was like, all right, we're doing this. And so I got all of them off so Facebook, Twitter, um, Facebook, business page, as well as Snapchat and Pinterest. All of them are gone off my phone. The only exception is Instagram. And the reason that I didn't delete it is because you can't use the Instagram in the browser version. And I use Instagram when I'm sharing this podcast, for example, and I'm sure I could come up with a bunch of other excuses. Yes. So what needs to happen here is obviously I need to find strategies to still have Instagram on my phone as an app, but not get caught up in the scroll. So I know that you and yeah. I can talk about this for sure, but in the book, and here's some interesting, I, I like to go to what she said because then it just lets me off the hook a little bit. So in the book, she suggests that if you're using the phone for work, she says, start by reducing your use of your personal, the personal, the, the stuff you use personally. So she calls that yeah. low hanging fruit. So if you fix your personal relationship with your phone, then you're more likely to use it more effectively for work. Oh, that's a good suggestion. So I'm starting there. Um, We're also going to talk later in this episode about reorganizing your apps so that the ones that cause you to be the most tempted are not going to be so easily seen. That's a really good idea. So overall, I definitely use the phone way less and I was way more aware of when I was picking it up. And um, 
in terms of an objective measure, I went from that ridiculous amount of time last week, which was 38 hours down to 21 hours this week. So it's still quite a lot. I've still got some work to do, but uh, that's why I'm grateful for this challenge this month. I'm guessing that Mm -hmm. by having gotten rid of the Facebook and the Twitter on my phone, that that number will be quite a bit lower by next week. Yeah. Um, And I also want to say this to those people who are struggling, how, because I'm struggling and I want to be transparent as, as possible about that. I just want to say to you that if you're having trouble with this, don't stress. There's no way to fail this test. Yeah. So first, there's nothing wrong with mindless distraction. There's times when zoning out on your phone is exactly what you want to do. And that's not a problem. What's problematic is that when we're trying to avoid the problem of that becoming our default, just mindless distraction is all the time what you're falling into. Mm -hmm. So there's you know, let me repeat again, there's no, there's nothing wrong with mindless distraction. So if that's what you want to do sometimes, by all means do it. But if it starts to become a problem as it has become for me, then that's when it needs to be examined, which is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So the point is not to punish ourselves by not using the phone at all. And then we think that we're not doing it right because uh, we end up in the scroll. The point is to increase our consciousness around the use of the phone and then use it for good that it can offer while cutting back on the things that are contributing to what we don't want in our lives. Yeah, I would say I definitely have felt that um, sense of when I'm using my phone and I'll be doing the scroll and I realize like, oh, oh, it's happening again. I'm doing Uh, it. You know, like it's that awareness of it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So I would say in the last week uh, since we last chatted about this, um, the last week has went well. And I would say that I definitely feel more in charge of my phone use and I really became highly aware of how many times I pick it up for every little reason, whether it's to see if I have any notifications, to see what time it is, to add something to my grocery list. Like I use it for so many things and and for a lot, I, I also use it for work. So there's that. But I mean, it's all the other little things too. Like every odd little curiosity that I have, you know, someone will say something and it'll be some weird little fact and I'll think, oh, I'd like to figure out more about that. And I'll look it up because I'm a very curious person. So I'm always looking things up, but it made me realize that, you know, I could write those things down. I could, you know, and get more intentional about how I'm using that time rather than just going on my phone, looking that up, and then inevitably getting lost in something else, which is, it's a gateway, right? Every yeah, time you, you find yourself in the rabbit hole in a hurry. Oh, yeah, because I would reach for my phone to add, you know, celery to the grocery list. But then I see a notification for Twitter. And then I, I see an interesting article on Twitter. And I start reading that. And then I go down the rabbit hole and read another article yeah. on the same thing. And then I've been on my phone for 10 minutes and I walk away and I didn't even put celery on the grocery list. <laughs> you didn't even use it for what you wanted to. So, um, yeah. So anyway, but I, I, we, so you're speaking about the not sleeping with the phone beside us. I've still been keeping that up and I will admit it fully makes me a bit uneasy, but it's okay. Everything is like, I didn't sleep with it beside me. I think now I'm two weeks not doing it and it's been fine. I did have one night where I, I did freak out a little bit, not having it. Ethan had gone for a sleepover, uh, at my in-laws and I realized I hadn't even thought about it. I just left my phone at the front door and I woke up at like 4am and realized and have the phone with me. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what if something happened? And 
I was freaking out as you do in the middle of the night. And then I, you know, I went and checked my phone and of course it was fine. And I had my ringer fully up. If it had oh, rang, well, then it I would have been just fine. You would have heard it. Yes. But it was funny because in my brain, I thought, well, I need to have my phone with me because it's safety. This is my kid. Like you just start going there in your mind. You're like, no, like somehow these things were fine before we had cell phones. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you're, it's neat though that what you'll what you'll convince yourself of when oh, you're in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it, it is funny, eh? When you go to bed and and you don't have that phone there to do the scroll. Yeah. And I I'm gonna admit you you were saying that you were having a little bit of trouble after a couple nights. I have found I have a weird little thing I'm slipping into now as well with the iPad. Oh. I've had to kind of start applying the same rules with the iPad because the iPad is just like a giant iPhone. Right. Yeah. And it even has iMessage on it. So you have the texting and, you know, so all for, devices have to go out of the room. Yeah. I had to, I, I'm really trying to limit my iPad use to when I'm on the treadmill. So it's like my 20 minutes and I got to cram it all in. Um, because I've noticed that that's just kind of become my new phone. Oh, isn't that interesting? What you'll, you'll find it's, the loophole, right? And it's much more encumbering because I can't walk around with it in my pocket. You know, it's walking around with an iPad. So anyhow, I'm ready for our next challenge because I think that this week went well. I think we've got that awareness piece built up. And uh, so I'm ready for the, are you ready to hear about the week two plan? Yeah, take us into, take us into the second week, Jenny. All right, so let's start with day eight. So the first day of the second week here. And it is say no to notifications. When we enable push notifications from apps on our phone, we're creating a situation that will lead to distraction and compulsively checking our phones, as well as a state of anticipation and anxiety anytime we are even near our phones. The mere presence of a smartphone on the table has been shown to have a negative impact on closeness, connection, and the quality of conversation. And it also decreases performances of tasks that require focused attention. Push notifications are reinforced habit loops that we're trying to change and they've got to go. The action, action item is, and do it now, go into your phone's notification settings and turn off all notifications except for phone calls and, if you want, messaging apps and your calendar. The author means little red bubbles uh, You know as those well. little red bubbles on Facebook and yeah, that show up? Yeah, they come up in the corner. Yeah. So those notifications have to get turned off too because they like, Oof. you get the dopamine response from those as well. Totally. I see those on my calendar because for work we get meeting requests that yeah. way. It's like, oh, what is that? And I, I'm such a list checker that it's like, I got to get rid of that. It's almost like a little video game. <laughs> so this doesn't have to be permanent. Start like this at bare bones because then you'll know if you turn notifications back on, those are the ones that you actually want to get. Yeah, that's smart. Clean slate. You got it. All right. Day nine. Uh, the author calls this the life-changing magic of tidying apps, which of course clever. we love because of that book by Marie Kondo called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And this is what you do. You can personalize your phone and decide which apps you want to have on your phone. First, you're going to sort your apps into two criteria. The first of which is their potential to steal your attention. And the second, their potential to improve your daily life. So this should result in at most six categories of apps. So the first category is tools. So this is things like maps, photos, camera, password manager, 
Uber or taxi, banking, weather, music, the actual phone. So these are the apps that improve your life without stealing your attention. These are the only apps that are allowed to be on your home screen. They serve a practical purpose without being tempting. So, Ooh, cool. I love that idea. So, yes, me too. So tools. So number two is junk food apps. So these are things like social media, news apps, shopping apps, internet browsers, messaging apps, games, email. These are the apps that are fun or useful in limited limited quantities, but that are hard to stop using once you start. They can sometimes be life improving, but they also threaten to suck you in. So if an app's risk for for you outweighs its benefits, then you got to delete it. So remember, you can always reinstall. Yeah. If it seems like enjoyment outweighs risk, then that's cool. You can keep it, but you got to relocate it to the second screen on your phone and hide it in a folder. Oh. And ideally, the folder has to have a title that will remind you to think about it before you open. So this is the speed bump we were talking about last week. We're making it more difficult to get to the things that are not necessary or that potentially could suck you in. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Is in the book, what Gretchen said about the strategy of inconvenience. Right. Yeah. And okay. I think I think our friend James Clear talks about it too. <laughs> oh, James. <laughs> so um, in the book, the um, How to Break Up With Your Phone, uh, the author gave an example that one of her guinea pigs, I did it again, guinea pigs in her, uh, in her experiment made a folder with these things in it and titled it with just, ah, oh. like, I don't know how you spell oh. that, but like basically it was, if I'm going to open this, I need to be careful. <laughs> Nice. All right. So the number uh, three for categories of these apps is slot machine apps. So just like a slot machine, it's random and it's addictive. Social media, dating apps, shopping apps, games. Every app on your phone is a dopamine trigger, but these slot machine apps are the worst. These are the apps that don't improve your life and they steal your attention. So signs that an app is a slot machine or a junk food app for you you feel a sense of anticipation when you open it. You find it hard to stop using it. After you use it, you feel disappointed, unsatisfied, or disgusted with yourself. Slot machine apps suck. Delete them. Number four, clutter. So this is an, an example of this is like the, the QR reader that you downloaded and installed in 2012 and you've never looked at it since. <laughs> so you never use these apps. They don't steal your attention, but they don't improve your life. So it's just clutter. So you got to delete them. Um, and as our online pretend best friend Gretchen says, outer order equals inner calm. It's probably relevant in your app situation on your phone too. So let's get rid of the clutter. Number five, utility apps. These are apps that have some practical purpose, but don't improve your daily life enough to be qualified as tools. So a good example is the find my iPhone app. So she says, keep these apps in a folder on your third page. And then number six is the undeletables. So your phone does this like rude thing where it won't let you delete some apps. So you can hide these in a folder on your third page as well. Nice. So in folders, the author, author suggests that with the exception of your home screen, put your apps into folders, even if it means that much of your screen is empty. The point is organization partly, but more importantly, it's to protect yourself from yourself. Yeah. And you won't be able to see the app as easily and therefore you won't reactively click on it. It's a speed bump. Nice. And then the menu bar. So that's the one at the very bottom, just above the home screen button. And you can customize the icons at the bottom of the screen, which I didn't really know you could do that. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. And the author suggests taking your email out of the menu bar and banishing it to an interior page in a folder. 
Uh, she says to move messages and internet browsers into a folder on the second or the third oh. page as well. She says that you can leave those spots empty if you want, just complete empty in your menu bar, or you can put some of your tools from the first page on them. So that's that's like next level, I think. Do you ever move your apps around and it completely messes with your head because you don't realize how much your body has just been programmed? Like you start using your phone and your thumb just starts just goes going. right to the spot. Well, yeah. tonight when I deleted those social media apps, I felt weird about it for like the first 30 minutes. I would look at my phone and go, this, something's up. This is wrong. <laughs> well, what good is this device to me now? <laughs> this doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> it's basically a calculator. <laughs> and a Gosh. phone. What do we need the phone for? I know. Isn't it funny that we call it a phone, but how much time we actually spend using it as a phone? Is very little. You're right. Yeah. So day 10. Change where you charge it. And this is one that I've been doing. So this is a big problem. Phone in the bedroom. Automatically checking first thing in the morning and right before bed and in the middle of the night are big complaints from most people looking for a change in the way that they use their phones. The easiest way to break this habit is to make it harder to reach for your phone while you're in bed. Create a charging station that isn't in your bedroom or at the very least is not right next to your bed. Here's an idea. Get a non-phone alarm clock. Ding, ding, for ding. Best... <laughs> eh, eh, eh. That's more like it. That's it. Yeah, you're so right. So for best results, all family members should do this and all phones should be charged in the same spot. You can establish a fine for those who are caught cheating and then at some point plan a fun activity that doesn't involve phones. Once the fine jar is full, you can use the money to enjoy the activity, which... That kind of seems like you'd want to get fined so you could do the fun thing, but still a great idea. <laughs> if you are worried that you'll miss an important call when your phone is in the other room, turn the ringer on and turn it up. Since you've turned off all notifications, your phone is now essentially a landline. Kicking it old school. Yeah, this is what you were talking about with your worry about missing the call when yes. Ethan was away. And I put it on that old timey ring too. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Day 11, set yourself up for success. We have removed some of the triggers that make us automatically reach for our phones. So now we're going to add some new triggers, things that make it more likely for us to do the things that we say we want to do or that we enjoy. We are trying to establish happier, healthier habits. So last week on one of the days, we were basically trying to find a list of things that we'd like to do with this time that we're reclaiming back when we're not using the phone as much. And so we made a list of all the things that we'd like to do. So for example, if you want to read more, put a book on your bedside table. If you want to play more music, take your instrument out of its case and put it someplace you'll see it. If you want to be less tempted to bring your phone into your bedroom to soothe yourself, I'm guilty, then make your bedroom a more soothing place to be in without your phone. So for example, nice sheets, calming pictures, a diffuser with lavender. Lovely. I'm going to do that all sounds these really nice. So take a second to identify several changes that you can make to your environment to make it more likely that you'll do the things that you say you want to do. And then, hey, do them. <laughs> Day 12, download an app blocker. You can download an app that blocks your access to sites and apps that you tend to get sucked into while still letting you use the rest of your phone. I raise my hand. I have had to do this. Yeah. For, um, we had I the people.com problem. Oh, yes. And it, and it wasn't an app. It was, I think it's under restrictions or permissions or something, but I blocked people.com and it took me a while to get used to it. Um, <laughs> dang. Anyway, acknowledge and get over the irony of using an app to protect yourself from apps. Then set up the block list of problematic sites and apps. 
Then whenever you wanted some undistracted time or you want to use your phone for something without having to worry about temptation, you can simply start a session specifying what you want blocked. So um, iOS has something called freedom and Android has something called off time. Some of these apps allow you to schedule sessions in advance so that if you want to stop checking social media before bed, you simply block the social media uh, before bed. So this would be good for you, Peg. Yeah, it if would. You, for that I mean, Instagram even better to challenge. just keep the phone out. But, well, um, but I, think I think if you have more than one strategy employed, you're more likely to be successful. Heck yeah. Uh, so these app blockers, I think they're especially helpful if you need to use social media apps for work, which I do. Um, or school. So you can use those app blockers to schedule ahead of time so that you have access to them during certain hours of the day. I think that's a great solution. Yeah, that would be helpful for me too. So I think Mm -hmm. probably that's something I'm going to have to employ. Yes. All right. Day 13, set boundaries. We're going to, first of all, establish no phone zones. So a place where you don't use your phone, full stop. No Mm -hmm. phone zones are great because they remove the need for decision making in the moment. If there's no decision because it's just a no phone zone, then you get less decision fatigue, which we've talked about on the podcast. So they can also, these no phone zones can also help to reduce conflict. If everyone in your family knows that phones aren't allowed at the dinner table, then you don't need to have a new argument about it each night. Um, So the, the suggestion is to start with the dinner table and the bedroom, um, At the dinner table, you're going to bring people together if there's no phones. And in the bedroom, you're going to have better sleep and -hmm. potentially might bring people together, you know? So She's back. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Give your phone a wake-up time. So what this means is you can also create a no-phone zone based on time. So no checking the phone after 6 p.m. is is an example. You can assign your phone a wake-up time for tomorrow morning, or you could do it for a weekend day, depending on what day you're listening to this. Um, And this should be at least a half hour after you get up yourself. So choose something restorative or fun that you will do for yourself while the phone sleeps. So you could read a book or do some yoga or play with one of your pets or do some meditation or cook a nice breakfast. Um, And then enforce the wake-up by putting the phone in airplane mode or turn it off and charge it in a place that you won't necessarily see it until it's time for the phone to wake up. Um, You could also use an app app blocker here. And this is useful if you want to have access to certain features, but not others. So if you were trying to, you know, make a date for a brunch, but you didn't want the phone to be on for the first part of your morning, then you can use the that sort of like the weekend morning app blocker situation. Oh, cool. I would like this for in the morning because I get up and I go get the phone and I do use it to meditate. Yeah. And I've found that it's a really big challenge um, once I have the phone to just use it for the meditation and then stop and go on with my day. Oh. Um, it's so hard you could, to not get sucked in. So you could create a block list for those things that you get sucked into and then not yeah. have them turn on until it's after the time you know you're finished your meditation. Yeah, Perfect. that would be awesome. So that I would, and I think really, and then another 10 minutes after that, because it's that little gap of time after I get up early to do that. And then I've, you know, got a little time. So I think uh, I'll just, you know, 10 minutes, check things out. Oh, of course you do. And then 10 minutes turns into 15. You know how it is. You get sucked right in. I totally know. I'm so, 100% guilty. Oh, totally. So day 14, <laughs> stop fubbing fubbing is short for phone snubbing what a fantastic a word fubbing portmanteau fubbing. it's good to it's good to say it it's exciting it i like those combined words me too 
Having your phone on the table during a meal, that's fubbing. Checking your phone in the middle of a conversation, that's fubbing. Texting while you're at a party, oh yeah, big time, that's fubbing. These types of behaviors have become really common and we don't even notice that we're engaging in them. But we are. You've likely already begun to reduce your fubbing thanks to the work you've put into the breakup so far. But let's make it official. From now until the end of this month's challenge, please do your best not to fub by keeping your phone off the table at meals. If you've already designated your table as a no phone zone, then you're ahead of the game. And what about other people's phones and fubbing? One of the things that makes fubbing so tricky to deal with is that the less you do of it yourself, the more that you'll notice when it's being done to you. When you have people over, consider asking them to leave their phones in a basket by the door. At first, they'll think you're a total weirdo, but then they may decide to do it at their house too. When you're out, keep your phone off the table and make a point of asking others around Uh, permission before you check your phone. Chances are that your friends will be confused at first, but then you can take the opportunity to explain that you're trying not to fub people. It's an interesting conversation and this behavior is potentially catching. The author says that when she is with friends and something comes up in conversation that they want to check, they'll use the permission to use phone, permission granted, as a way to make sure that they're all on the same page and no one feels fubbed. If you need to take a call or respond to a text with other people, consider not responding until later. Or if you do, consider leaving the room. How to be reached in an emergency. This is one that I think of frequently. You can adjust your do not disturb settings to allow phone calls from a selected group of contacts, which I think is a really awesome idea. Yeah. Well, and then same thing. You'd have your ringer on loud. It's in your purse or in your pocket and you're going to feel it or hear it. And you know that only people that are calling are people that are on your list of they can only get through if it's an emergency. So I think that's Mm -hmm. a great idea. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot to accomplish in this coming week, but we know that you can do it. And I'm pretty sure that I can do it maybe. And uh, (laughs) I'm just going to say get after it. All right, now now it's time for a segment we call listener feedback. Uh, Every week, we ask you to play along with us as we take on a new challenge regarding habits. And we are so excited that some of you do it. And we are extra excited that some of you are telling us about it. So this week, we got the following comment on the blog. Hello, ladies. I've listened twice to your podcast. Warm hellos and goodbyes. That was in episode 23, where we were discussing the love language of physical touch. And today about disconnecting to WMD, which was... um, Wow, it's not coming to me. Wireless mobile devices. And then she said, very cute. So that was episode 24, which was last week's intro episode about digital detox. That's nice. Then she says, this is a perfect way to occupy my mind while accumulating steps on my Fitbit. I am enjoying your informative podcast and plan on continuing. FYI, checked my screen time on my phone. 57 minutes, 31 minutes above average, social networks, 11 minutes. However, my iPad screen time shows one hour and 13 minutes. Remember, I am of another generation, that of your mother. Keep up the good work. So that was from Marjorie. Thanks so much for the comment, Marjorie. That is so nice. All right. I also received a a text from my friend Jeff, who has just started listening from episode one. And that was the episode we were talking about creating the habits of flossing your teeth, making your bed, and drinking more water. And the text that he sent me just said simply... I drank a bottle of water in the shower this morning, which I found hilarious. <laughs> and it's also funny that that is the second time we've gotten that comment. That exact comment. Because yeah. the other time was from my husband, Jeff, his cousin, Paul. Oh, that's right. Cousin Paul. 
Oh, that's All right. great. So we are always so glad to hear what you think about the podcast. And we are very curious to hear how you are doing when it comes to our monthly habit challenges. So send us an email to the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com or come say hi on the socials. Even though we will be on our phones less, you can still find me on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone and Jenny on Twitter at jkouse. You can also always get our attention by using the hashtag the improvement project. And now it is time for one of my favorites, what are you digging lately? And anybody who's listened to the last couple knows that I've been making a push for a silly new name for this segment that's not catching on called <laughs> Ooh, Me Likey. This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk to each other about what podcasts we've been listening to or what books we've been reading, what random internet hilarity we found, and we feel like you might find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. So this week, I'm digging a book that I read while I was on vacation that was recommended to me by a patient. The book is called Furiously Happy, a funny book about horrible things by Jenny Lawson. And I've rarely actually laughed out loud while reading a book. And this book had me full on giggling out loud on the airplane when we were on the way to the vacation. It's amazing. It's so funny. So Jenny Lawson is a blogger and online she is known as The Blogess and she's an award-winning humor writer known for her great candor in sharing her struggle with depression and mental illness. So the dust jacket on her book says, in Furiously Happy, in, in part it says, in Furiously Happy, number one New York Times bestselling author Jenny Lawson explores her lifelong battle with mental illness. A hysterical, ridiculous book about crippling depression and anxiety? That sounds like a terrible idea, but terrible ideas are what Jenny does best. <laughs> Furiously Happy is a book about embracing everything that makes us who we are, the beautiful and the flawed, and then using it to find joy in fantastic and outrageous ways. Because as Jenny's mom says, maybe crazy isn't so bad after all. Sometimes crazy is just right. So I yes. highly recommend this book. It's super funny. It's really fun. Did you e-reader this one or did you book book this one? I got the book at the library and book booked it away. I took it with me on nice. vacation. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic I'll have to book. check that out. Definitely. Because on my uh, 18 for 2018 list, okay. you and I have talked about yep. our 18 things we want to do in 2018. That was one of the things I wanted to do was read a non- Oh, I always get this mixed up. I wanted to read some fiction books. So would you qualify this as fiction? Yeah. Well, it's okay. it's uh, kind of nonfiction because it's a lot of her stories. But I think that she does a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? She embellishes some of her stories. So maybe it can be considered fiction. But um, I think so. Like if it's a book just for enjoyment, I would say that meets the criteria because I find I'm always reading books that are for a purpose. Right. You know, yeah. And this, I felt that way when I read this book, too, because almost always when I'm reading a book, it's like a business book or a personal development book or like yes. a book that has to do something to do with anatomy or nutrition or something for work. So um, this book was super fun for both those reasons that it's hilarious, but also because it was just like a little candy for my brain. Yeah, absolutely. What are you digging so this week, girl? I, for my me likey, I... <laughs> Okay, so mine isn't a podcast, a book, or a TV show, but it is a weird little, I'll call it a life hack that I came across that is, I'm probably the last person in the world to know about this, but um, we went out for dinner on Saturday night, and we went to Earl's, and we were looking at the menu, and there were so many good things on the menu, and we were both looking at these things, and we both wanted to try more than one thing. And then it hit us, why don't we both order 
like, cause we both wanted to try the same two things. Why don't we both order it and then split it? And then we can have like half of each other's. And so we did this and the entire, we were both so happy with getting to try both things in the same night. They were like, why are we not doing this every single time that we go out for dinner? Because usually we each order a meal and we just eat our meal and maybe we'll try a bite of the other person's and then think, Oh, I'll order that next time. But they brought it on, like they literally split it onto two plates for each of our things. So I got this awesome veggie burger and fries on one little plate and then this teriyaki bowl, rice bowl, in another little bowl. Like it was so perfect because you didn't get kind of burnt out on trying either thing. You got to try out different flavors. It was great. Why has this never occurred to me before? Yes, this seems like fairly commonsensical. I'm so glad you've discovered this, Jenny. Is this something that you do? Uh, sort of. I've done that before. I don't. I didn't get as excited about it as you did. I was just like, cool, <laughs> I got two things. <laughs> I get really excited about trying all the different foods. Like, don't get me wrong. I do. There are times when I like to go to a restaurant and like I have like a certain thing I like to order at a certain place. But when there's so much on the menu that you want to try, what a great to way to... Yeah, I kind of get a little bit of that. And I think I've done it with people before, but you, it's kind of more of a, you order something and then you're like, oh, and then you kind of switch parts of it. But to just be upfront and be like, listen, this is what we're doing. It never occurred to me that they would like split it up and put it on. And they were totally cool with it. They're like, we do this every day. Oh my gosh. She was like so amazing about it because we just said, oh, we're going to, yeah, I want to try both of these things. And then she said, well, hey, I'm going to put this on separate plates for you. She was so great about it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 37 years old. I want to go like relive the last 37 years with this knowledge and try (laughs) twice as many foods. Uh, There's still so many foods to try for the next 37 years, Jenny. Right. As I've mentioned, this is a big uh, thing for our family is how much we love to go out to eat. So this is like one of my favorite things. And this just enhanced it. A whole new world just opened up for you. I'm so pleased. (laughs) And the fact that non-alcoholic beer is now available in restaurants. <laughs> and I love I love drinking beer, but I we were doing a lot of Christmas shopping. So I knew I needed to be on the level as we were walking around chapters afterwards. So that worked out really well. <laughs> good job. Good job. I love oh, it. Good time. Me like me likey. Yeah. Oh, nice. All See? right. Now Gotta it's time. It. <laughs> now it's time for a segment we call you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during the segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. And this week I am up for the win. My big win this week is one that you and I have talked about before as well uh, with my daily smoothie habit. So this is one that I have a green smoothie every morning and my, because of James Clear's advice to never miss more than one day. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I never miss more than a day of the green smoothie. I would say I probably miss maybe one a week, maybe one every week and a half where I just kind of either need a break or I run out of ingredients. But I challenged myself after not being able to get spinach at the grocery store because they were out to find a new smoothie recipe that I like and it'll help me mix it up a little bit. So the benefit of this new recipe that I found is that I can pre-measure out the items and put them in a bag in the freezer and then pop it in the blender, which is big for me because my go-to smoothie is one that I make the night before 
and then have in the fridge and drink in the morning. And sometimes it it does feel like drudgery. So having these kind of pre-packed smoothies in the freezer ready to go will help on those times when I want to give myself a little break and it's getting me some different greens. So usually I have smooth, my smoothies are spinach based and this other one is kale. And I will say after trying this new one, I, I don't like kale, but (laughs) the fruit does offset it and it still tastes a little bit gross to me if I'm fully honest. (laughs) But because I'm used to drinking green smoothies and mine are, I don't drink green smoothies that like taste amazing. I know why I'm drinking these smoothies and it's not like for a pleasurable milkshake experience. I'm drinking it to get these good nutrients in me. And after drinking them for a while, I actually start to like the taste of them and the smell of the kale one. It's, (laughs) I don't love it, but it's good. And I'm, I'm committed to doing this. So this recipe is from Minimalist Baker, and she is known for very simple, easy uh, recipes. She kind of has it as like under 10 ingredients, under 30 minutes, one bowl. That's kind of her thing is that they're easy to do. So I've given you the link. It's a mango ginger kale green smoothie. And I just threw up in my mouth a little bit even saying it, but it's, <laughs> it's got peach in it as well. It does have some sweetness. It's not, it's not terrible. It's just that kale. Like, do you love kale? I don't love it, but I like it enough. And I was just thinking to myself, as you're describing this testimonial, I can hear the the footsteps of all the people running to go and try it because of this amazing testimonial. Oh man. But I mean, you know, it's good. I, I've had a kale smoothie before. I like it. I feel like the, the smoothie kind of just covers up the taste, but you can still feel, you can still get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm especially vegetable averse. So I mean, for but that's why these smoothies are so important to me is to get the veggies in. To get those veggies and greens in, I would not do it otherwise. You've built yourself a good habit. It's so good. It's the best. And I, yeah, I wish I could go back to university to those days and do it because I, I, I can tell you, I think I could have gone probably easily three weeks without touching a vegetable back then. Yeah. Which just blows my mind. Well, but you never cool thought that you've grown and changed and created new habits for yourself, Jenny. Hashtag the improvement project. You got it. Anyway, so that's my win is kale. Try it out. <laughs> it's kind of gross, but it's good for you. What was your learn? <laughs> my learn is a tough one this week. And um, I'm sure that anyone who has pets uh, and has likely had to go through this one, um, I might get a little emotional about it because this just happened today. We had to say goodbye to our cat, Calvin. So he's been my little buddy and part of my world for almost 15 years. And our kitty adventures ended today. Um, And it was one of those days when I really felt like I was adulting hard. I shed more than a few tears. And I was thinking to myself as we took him to the vet and when we had to go through the hard stuff of actually saying goodbye and watching him go, that I wouldn't trade the joy that he brought for the last 15 years to avoid this pain today. So we're going to miss him. Yeah. No, I'm so sorry, Peg. I know Thanks. the last time that you and I recorded, um, and that was episode 24, we were at your house sitting at your dining room table and out of the corner of my eye, I would just see your cat and he was pacing, doing laps of your island. And I think that's how I will remember Calvin is yeah. just 
just walking and he was just he wasn't stopping he was he was going for it but it was so clear that yeah, he was, it was he had arthritis and he was in a lot of pain and it was he'd had he couldn't do the stairs anymore and it was time so it's yeah. it's sucky but like they're they're part of our family these little furry friends oh absolutely and I put um, a little tribute up on the socials to him today and I had a lot of lovely comments so all of oh. you out there that commented thank you so much it made me have some tears but they were also like you know, that lovely tribute tears. And somebody said, and it was so cute. Um, I'm so sorry for your furry loss. Aww. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I think sometimes um, pet loss is under, not underappreciated. And I don't think is the right word, but people don't realize unless they've had a pet, how much of a part of your family they are. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're uh, like important. They're so special. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, he was a pretty cool cat and we're going to miss him. He had the best color of fur. Yeah, he was orange fat. If you want to see a photo of Calvin, I put uh, a photo up on Instagram and Facebook so uh, you can see him Calvin had the perfect um, red blonde hair (laughs) (laughs) that I almost wanted to like take a picture of to take to my hairdresser and be like, how do we achieve this? Because that's (laughs) the perfect strawberry blonde right there. And they'll be like, "Uh, is that is that a a cat you're using as a color swatch uh irrelevant i like the color and that's what's important to this conversation i would love it if your hair was the same color as what calvin's fur was that would be super it was extraordinary Let's it would get that. really awkward though as you sit there petting my head as we're talking <laughs> i get real awkward when you're rubbing my tummy oh wow <laughs> i ask for a drink and you put it on the floor what's happening here <laughs> Uh, thanks for the giggles (laughs) so before we go we want to bring up the fact that we are in the middle of december which means that a new year is just around the corner last year peggy and i took some time in december to plan out our 18 for 18 which were a list of things that we wanted to accomplish in 2018 which we spoke about a little bit earlier there that's right we're going to do a similar exercise for 2019 by making a list of 19 for 19 and we hope that that you will play along. Peggy and I will share our list, eek, in the next couple of weeks on the podcast. Also, next week, we'll be checking in on our progress on our monthly challenge for December to get intentional in our use of technology and continue working to put down those electronic devices and tuning in on the real world around us. We hope that you will tune in and play along with us. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Remember to let us know if you're joining us with the breaking up with your phone, and if so, how is it going for you? Let us know what has been easy and what has been a bit more difficult as you are going through this digital detox process. Also, start making some notes for your list of 19 things that you want to accomplish in 2019. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. Are you enjoying and getting value from this podcast? If so, if you could go and give us a rating and review us on iTunes and subscribe if you haven't already, it will not only make us feel great that you took the time to do it, but it really helps other people to find the podcast so that we can help as many people as possible to create new habits. We would love to connect on the socials. I'm on Twitter at Jake House and Peggy is on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone. You can always get our attention by using hashtag the improvement project. 
but also maybe not any time because we're getting intentional about when we're using these apps, right? That's right. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. I um, kept saying to myself today beforehand, because I was kind of doing that thing where I was dreading and wanting to avoid it. I was like, Peg, the best way around this is through. Like, just yeah. go. Like, you just need to go. And and then he's not going to be in pain and we'll be good. Animals are, it's so hard, eh? I think it speaks to a bigger thing that, that we're after. And it's, it's not the avoidance. It's not the numbing. It's going towards these things that are difficult in an intentional way. And the things that make our lives better is not always easy. Yeah, that's good.